This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Again, to those who are watching online, thank you so much for being there. We wish you could be here, but we're thankful that you are there. Well, I took the boys shopping on Friday. Well, I took the boys. I know, Bob. Bob's like, really? Really? How many of you have done some holiday shopping, Christmas shopping already? Yeah. How many of you went out to do it or you had Amazon do it for you? Yeah. Right? That's like, yeah, I know. Well, a few weeks ago, with me just wrestling with some things in my own spirit, I kind of, um, I said to my wife, I said, I'm thinking about taking the boys to the mall on Friday. And she said, are you okay? Because that's not me at all. I probably haven't been shopping on, on Black Friday in years. But I knew a couple of my boys would probably really enjoy it. Lucas, not so much. He's a little bit more like his dad in that perspective. But we were up in Erie so to go to the Mill Creek Mall and just to hang out, to be present, to, to walk the halls, to be surrounded by the caroling and the singing and the joy and all of those things Christmassy. It says, yeah, let's go, guys. We'll, we'll make a thing out of it. We'll just go hang out. Just the four Hickernell boys, we'll go hit the mall. And so we went, and it took a while just to find a parking space. It was packed. I mean, the, the traffic was ridiculous. Everything that you would expect that the traffic would be uh, on Black Friday. Make our way in. We go through the food court, and families have gathered, maybe taking a, a noontime break before they hit the second shift of shopping. And the lines are long everywhere. Not just the lines for Macy's and the lines for checkout at Dick's. It's the line for like Auntie Anne's pretzels and for Dippin' Dots. Everything is a line. And we made our way through. And we made our way through. And people were doing their thing and saw a lot. But you know what I didn't see? And I remember not seeing it. I didn't see joy. I didn't see hope. And I didn't see peace. Like I said, I saw families in the food court and they looked exhausted. These weren't families gathering and enjoying the Christmas season and celebrating time together. It looked like they'd gone through a war zone. Mom, overtaxed. Dad, overspent. I saw grandparents and aunts and uncles huddled in, in, in that middle space as everyone kind of traffics to the far side of the long hallways. They're just kind of sitting there or fighting for a place to sit to catch their breath. They were not smiles. There was not joy. There was not happiness. They were just tired. People jockeying for a parking position in the parking lot. parents trying to convince the toddler how much fun it is to get their picture taken with the giant elf. No one having any fun. And no joy. No joy. Which really bothers me. 
Because whenever I see or read in Scripture somebody encountering Christmas, someone encountering Jesus, someone coming to the manger or experiencing the infant child, you know what they always have? They always have joy. Even the angels, when they show up, they are singing songs of great joy for all people. The shepherds, they, they go to the manger. They see the Christ child, the one that's promised. Deliverance has come. Deliverance for the least of men. And they leave singing songs of joy. The magi traveling for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Come and see the Christ child. Mary, Joseph, giving gifts. This is the one that they'd read about. And it made me wonder if Christmas and the joy of Christmas inhabiting the glory of God and salvation in Jesus is hope and joy and peace and love. And if I'm not seeing those things testified to, witnessed to in their stories, maybe they're just chasing after a different holiday. Someone told me there's 37 different holidays out to play in December. Did you know that? There's 37 different holidays out there. That's why you say happy holidays. Who knows what you're dealing with? But I have to be honest. If those holiday shoppers were testifying to, giving witness to their holiday, I don't want anything to do with that. Whatever they're worshiping, whatever they're buying for, spending for, gathering for, giving for, doing for, I don't want anything to do with their God. Because my God came to bring me joy and hope and love and peace. See, God does not leave himself without a witness. He doesn't leave a people a place without someone to tell the story. Did you know that? No matter the age, no matter the time, God wants people to know the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. He always leaves a witness. And I want to show one of them to you today as we take a turn towards the manger and towards Advent and Christmas all things Jesus. And his name's John. So take out a copy of the Gospel of John. Maybe um, you're using one of these scripture journals that we have out front that you can pick up. This is one of the things that I do uh, whenever I do like a deep dive into a particular book. I like to write and do drawings and highlight and, you know, write things in the margins. And so this is a fun way when I'm doing a study is, you know, it gives me a space to write and and if I'll even leave this up here if you guys want to see. What does he put in his journal? Like uh, you, can, you can look and see. And they're available. You can pick one up out there. Uh, but we're going to be in the Gospel of John. We're going to read about John. And this is a problem. They're two different Johns. Okay? John's a pretty popular name, a common name in antiquity. So the John that wrote the Gospel of John is not the same John that we're going to read about this morning. We're going to read about John called John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. And he was a witness. 
God sent him as a witness to immerse people in the story of Jesus. And let me show you what I think made John such an expert witness. You know how, you know, Lawyers are always looking for that expert witness to testify on their behalf of the truth in the story. Let me show you why John was an expert witness and how I think he could really help us as we take a turn towards Christmas this season. I want to start reading in John chapter 1, verse 6. I'm going to read just a few verses. I'm going to read 6, 7, and 8, and then I'm going to jump down and read verse 15. The Father sent him as an expert witness to immerse others in Jesus' story. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 15. John bore witness about him, Jesus, and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. You see, again and again, just in those few verses, came as a witness to bear witness that all might believe. He came to bear witness about the light. Very uh, court-hearing-esque overtones. He has come as an expert witness. This John, John, mom and dad, Zechariah and Elizabeth, given this miraculous birth of this child late in life, told that their child would be the one that would declare the coming of deliverance, King Jesus. But what was it that I think makes John such a great witness and how he could really help us this Christmas season? Well, part of it has to do with his character. His character. Let me read some more for you about John. This is John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 19 down through 23. Did you know character counts? Did you know character matters? Some of you who have some experience in courtrooms, sometimes lawyers will work really hard to establish someone's character or to smear someone's character. Character matters. Here in John chapter 1 verse 19. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, did not deny, but confessed, Well, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, Well, what then? Are you Elijah? Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Are you the prophet? he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the ways of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. What's the deal with, are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? You read through the Old Testament. You read through the Jewish Bible and you can see again and again and again, God is promising to send an anointed one. 
He will, that's what Christ means. Christ means anointed one. God is going to send someone who's going to right the wrongs, who's going to confront the beast that is the oppressor, that's going to deal with sin and death. He's going to send an anointed one. There must have been something about John's character that led people to think he could be the guy. He so embodies Yahweh's message of salvation. He so embodies the story of God. Maybe John is the Christ. I mean, if he was out getting hammered on Friday night, sleeping around, no one's, I wonder if he's the Christ. Not a chance. But here's a man who lived a life of holiness and separateness unto God, who knew the story and shared the story. He lived the story. Characters such as, are you the Christ that we've read about? He's like, no, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. Are you Elijah? Because you read, like in the end of Malachi, as an example, Malachi is the last book in your Old Testament. It promises that Elijah will come again. Elijah, the great prophet. And they're like, wow, he talks like Elijah would talk. He walks like Elijah. He dresses like, he embodies Elijah. Are you Elijah? Come back. Nope. Now, Jesus will go on to say, yeah, John is very much like Elijah. But he's like, I'm not Elijah. What about the prophet? What's that mean? The end of Deuteronomy, Moses attests to the fact that another one will come after him, a prophet like him. And so people who are great students of the Bible, they're, they're looking for this prophet figure, this proclaimer, this one who stands before God and the people like Moses did. And boy, when they saw John and they heard John and they listened to John's teaching, some of them are like, you know what? This could be, this could be the prophet that Moses talked about. Why? Because of his character. Who he was. Character counts. And so when they ask, well then who are you? John's like, I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. He's grabbing hold of an image from Isaiah chapter 40. Listen, he doesn't claim a name. He just grabs a hold of a purpose. I'm here to make it easier for others to get to the king. I'm a herald. I point the way. I'm not the way. Such humility, such service. In a day and age steeped in self-centered narcissism, are you the guy? You know I am. I'm the guy. John's like, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. Can I tell you about the guy? Let me tell you about the guy. Makes John a great expert witness. But not just his character, the content of his message, what he would communicate and share with others repeatedly. If you look at verse 29, John chapter 1 verse 29 is one of the verses we have our foundation student memorize when they go through their gospel module to help them anchor themselves in a a biblical understanding of Jesus. This verse in a verse from Revelation chapter 5. In John chapter 1 verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said... Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's John's message. That's the testimony. You call him to the stand. He swears on oath. You know what he's going to talk about? Behold, the Lamb. See that guy? See Jesus? 
That's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. Behold. He repeats this exact same thing later in the chapter when Jesus is walking by and John is with his own disciples. He's with his own followers. And he says to him, that's the guy. You should be following that guy. Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. That's Old Testament language talking about Passover, talking about God's deliverance of those in slavery in Egypt and how God led them free through the sacrifice of that Lamb through the waters into promise. And John says, that's, that's why that guy came. Jesus came to do that. He's going to set people free. He's going to deliver them from slavery. He's going to lead them into promise. He takes away the sins of the world. That's a good story. That's a simple story. That's an exact, precise. That's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, isn't it? John doesn't mince words. Behold the Lamb of God. Well, isn't Christmas about other stuff? No. No. It's about that. It's about him. Makes John an expert witness. But beyond that, John saw him with his own eyes. Eyewitness, firsthand account. Saw who Jesus was. In fact, if you keep reading verse 32, John 1, 32. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, have borne witness, this is the Son of God. You know why John is an expert eyewitness? He's seen Jesus in his power firsthand. It's really hard to argue with that, isn't it? It's really hard. You bump into someone and they've seen what God can do firsthand. It's really hard to convince them otherwise. And boy, there's nothing quite as powerful as someone who knows the delivering, healing, present power of God. That's a powerful witness in a stand. I saw it happen. I saw it happen. That's an expert witness, isn't it? I bring all of those things up to ask a question. What if we started to see this Christmas season, Advent, as a witness? What if we grabbed a hold of it and leveraged it in such a way that we could proclaim to others, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That we decided, you know what? We're not going to play the world's game anymore. We're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to shine. I bring this up because for the longest time, man, I'm sure my wife could testify to the fact Christmas rolls around and I just get grumpy. I'm not fun to be around. Some of it has to do with you see the corruption of something that was sacred. Here's a holy season of the church calendar set aside 
for focusing upon Christ. Christmas, Christ's Mass, a church service about Jesus. That's what the name literally is. But that's anything but. I mean, I walked up and down the aisles and the halls of the Mill Creek Mall, and I never would have come to that conclusion. If you wanted me to know what Christmas is about, I wasn't going to find it at the mall on Black Friday. But what if we said, hey, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We are going to leverage Advent and ourselves to be like John, expert witnesses before a world chasing after broken stories. It was close to the beginning of our time as a church, a fellowship, that I started to wrestle with what does Christmas look like at House on the Rock? Because so much about Christmas is just, you know, it's not the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so some of us started to wrestle with ideas. How could we impress the story of God's deliverance upon others during a very dark time? How could we be a light? And an Advent wreath became a central part of the furniture. How many of you grew up in a church tradition that had Advent wreaths? Beautiful. How many of you, not so much? And you're like, this is the devil's work. <laughs> you're going to be okay. How many of you have candles at home? This is a giant candle. What we do is, instead of leaving Christmas to one 30-minute moment of Hallmark chaos, December 25th, we stretch that writ out four Sundays and begin to, like a telescope, zero and focus in on something that's far away to bring it closer to ourselves, to let that story shape our character and our content. And so for four Sundays, starting next Sunday, we will begin the story of Advent. Advent merely means appearing, the appearing of something the advent, the arrival. And so next Sunday, we'll light a candle for hope. Because this story is all about hope. You know what I didn't see at the mall? I did not see any hope. Except the hope that maybe mom was done shopping and we could go to the car. But there was no, there was no hope at the Mill Creek Mall. Then the next Sunday after that, we'll light another candle. As we remember hope, we'll think about love. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. If your Christmas season does not bring hope, does not bring love, you're in the aisle for the wrong holiday. This is the story of love. This is the story of hope. Following that, we'll light a candle for joy. You get extra credit if you can tell me why this one's pink. Ethan Motter, you're not allowed to participate because <sighs> you're already going to email me probably sometime today. Joy. Oh my goodness. This is a great litmus test for everybody here. 
If you are looking towards Christmas and it is not fostering joy, you don't understand the story. Or you're playing someone else's game. Let that be an incredible litmus. And if your eyes are fixed upon Jesus or not, Jesus brings joy. And then that last Sunday, which this year is actually the 24th, that evening we'll have a Christmas Eve gathering and we'd invite you to join us. We'll talk about peace. Peace. Because the whole purpose of Jesus coming is peace. Peace. Putting things back together in harmony. Relationship with God. Relationship one with another. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. If you look towards Christmas and it does not foster peace, you're celebrating the wrong holiday. You're not celebrating Christmas. This is an Advent wreath. And then in the center, we put the Christ candle because he came light in the world, light into the darkness. The darkness couldn't receive it. Darkness didn't understand it. We'll unpack that in John chapter one as we move towards Christmas day. My family, we have one of these. It's not four feet tall, but you can get them at, you can Amazon it. You can call Amazon right now. They'll have it at your house before you get home from church. Right? You can put them on your dining room table or we have a little table over by the window where we'll set one up. And then we'll light the candles. And why do I do that? Because as a father, I want to anchor my sons in the real story. I want to testify, give witness to Jesus. Maybe that's something that you could do. Maybe your family already has one. Maybe it's a way that you could involve more in your family in the process of. You could have an Advent wreath. Uh, we want to give you a gift and thankful for someone's generosity in our church family uh, who purchased these books. The Gift of Christmas, one for each uh, family in our fellowship. You can pick them out on the center table. It has just a short daily reading. That centers around hope and love, joy, peace, goes with the candle, goes with the week that we'll be unpacking. Scripture reading, read a little bit of verse. And we've also included a, a reading guide to go along with it. Ask yourself, you can read the passage and what does this teach me about God? How does this prompt me to be thankful? What does this invite me to confess? How does this passage guide my day? Something as simple as maybe each evening you sit down with yourself, maybe a spouse, uh, a friend, kids. Light the candle. Read. Push the false stories away. The false practices away. The competing holidays, the other witnesses, the other testimonies. Say, no, 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 no. Just the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. So help us, God. We want to be a good witness. We want to have it shape our character, our content. Because before we can let Jesus shine bright through us, we need to so inhabit and be inhabited by the message of Jesus. 
on the back side of your reading guide, we've included a, an Advent habit guide. This is very similar to what we used last year. These might be some things that would help you grow in. These are inside the book, inside the book. Some of you are going through your notes, not in the notes. I hid them. I know. You're all good. They're out there, though. You'll get it. You'll get it. I promise. Can I walk you through some of these? Uh, here's a suggestion. What if each day of this season, you paused three times a day just to kneel and to be silent in God's presence? To come before Jesus, maybe in the morning, just a moment of silence. Maybe say the Lord's Prayer, and just to receive the day. Receive that story. Maybe at your noontime, maybe at your lunchtime to do something similar. I'm just going to pause for three minutes of silence. Let the world chase after whatever it wants to chase after. But you're going to slow down. You're going to pump the brakes a little bit. How many of you remember learning how to drive in the winter when you had to pump the brakes before the car did it for you? Right? Because now the car does it for you. Hit the brakes. What's it You used to have to do that on your own. Okay? And because I grew up in western Pennsylvania, that's when you learned how to drive. When you're three years old and it's a blizzard. Because this is how we survive. I remember multiple times driving with my dad without a seatbelt, without a booster seat, without a helmet. And I'm fine. And I remember multiple times, Dad in our 1982 blue Chevy station wagon, you know, and because it's rear-wheel drive, you come up over a crest and she starts to fishtail a little bit. You don't slam on the brakes, do you? No, you got to pump those brakes a little bit. You got you to slow that thing down. Here's the way just to pump the brakes a little bit, just to slow things down because things get real slippery as December moves forward. Then pause and kneel, maybe towards the evening time of your day. A moment of thanksgiving, just to be still. What if that became a habit for you this month? Another habit that we would suggest is lighting a candle. Maybe it's at mealtime. Maybe it's your Advent candle. Maybe it's just a center candle on your table. And just to see that, to light that, and to say, Christ is the light of the world. To declare that out loud. To rehearse that with your family. Christ is the light of the world. To be renewed in that truth. That's why John came to testify to the light. Another habit that we would suggest, and it's one that many teenagers, it's their favorite one. Scripture before screens. Scripture before screens. Some people... Some, probably not you, but others might have a habit as soon as they wake up to reach for the phone. I know none of us do that. But instead of reaching for our phone, what if we didn't reach for anything except scripture? Or just push, don't pick up the phone until you've had a chance to gather yourself together. You sit at the table, you read from God's word. We have new reading guides for the month of December. Maybe it's that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to let God inform my thinking and my seeing and my believing before I let the world try to sell me something. What if this month we chose scripture before screens? Parents, 
If you want them to do it, they need to see you doing it. Oh, how it would bless them if you would. Let's use scripture before screens. And then the last one, the last uh, Advent habit we would suggest to you is no phone while waiting. No phone while waiting. The story that Jesus rests on is a people waiting for God's deliverance. We numb ourselves to that tension and reality because we immediately have to be stimulated by something on the screen. Well, I can't just stand here. I'll candy crush it for a while. What if we chose to live into that tension for a month? And if we're waiting in line or we're waiting for the commercial break or we're waiting for the Buckeyes to win or, sorry, my bad, my bad. I apologize. I'll even do it at a traffic light. The traffic light's only 20 seconds long. I can't sit here for 20 seconds. I better pick up a phone. But what if, what if we entered into that season of waiting and just said, I'm not going to touch the phone. I'm just going to be present. It's going to be difficult in the beginning. We're not good at silence. We're not good at stillness. The silt of our souls begins to rise to the surface when we let that water sit for a while. And so it's so much better to have the radio playing and to have a phone in our hand. A suggestion, again, this is located inside the, the books, the gift books that are out at the table. A way that maybe you can use these tools to be shaped by the Advent story this year. Because once we are immersed in the story, then we can begin to immerse others in the story. Once God is shining bright through us, then that light can transcend and touch others. And so if you open up your, your notes that you received when you walked in, go ahead and open them up. There's an invite card located inside, okay? It's fun, a little sticky note, office team, stuck it on there. You can pull that off. Check that out. Well, what do you want us to do with this? I want you to invite someone to the story of Jesus. I can't do that. Oh, it's so easy. It is so easy. Christmas, it's low-hanging fruit, guys. Here, let me show, can I show you? Let me just show you. Douglas, can you come up here, please? Yeah, you. How you doing, buddy? Not a chance, man. It's just you. Just you. Just you. There are. Each of those dogs is unique and special and sacred, but I would not do to them what I'm about to do to you. <laughs> I'm going to imagine, if you will, that Doug is the embodiment of every story of heartbreak and hopelessness and sadness that so many are living around you this season. They do not have hope. They do not have love. They do not have joy. They do not have peace. They're chasing after a different holiday. They're testifying to something else. I want to be an expert witness. And this time of year makes it so simple. 
Watch. This is what I'm going to do. What I'm about to do, you're going to want to email me about. Go ahead. I delete it really fast. <laughs> but watch. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah. You know what he's going to say? He's going to say happy holidays back. You know why? Because that's what we say. You didn't say Merry Christmas, sellout. <laughs> Guys, listen. Okay. When the Apostle Paul went up on the Oropagus and he's surrounded by all these philosophers and worshipers of false gods, you know what he does? He grabs a hold of their own idolatry and leverages it. They had a God there that they didn't, it was an unknown, unnamed God. He's like, hey, can I tell you about that one right there? It's a time of holidays. Um, all I'm going to do is use that to begin a conversation. I'm going to use, so I'm going to say, happy holidays. You know what he's going to say back? He's going to say, happy holidays. Happy holidays. How are you going to celebrate? He might, he, maybe, maybe there's a tree, family, maybe there's a dinner, presents. maybe there's some presents, we're going to do some things. I'm going to let him share whatever his story might be, however he's going to engage. I'm listening, I'm actively engaging in his story because I care about him. I care, maybe there's some things we're going to do this in common. And then I'm going to ask him this question. Are you excited? No. <laughs> <laughs> and depending on the depth of the relationship, I might get different layers of honesty. He's like, yeah, no, I'm pretty excited. I am so excited. I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? Because Doug, this is Jesus and this is salvation and it is light and it is hope and I love remembering those things and I love singing about this. Do you want to come with me to church? Our pastor's talking about Christmas every single Sunday. Would you like to come with me? Sure. He might say yes. He might not say yet. yes. But you know what has happened? In the moment, the Holy Spirit has dropped a Christmas seed in his soul that he can't get out and he doesn't want to. Because he sees in front of him, no matter how honest he is with me or not with me, he sees someone that embodies a story he wants to live. Now, you know what you have to do? You have to be an expert witness. Meaning, you have to be excited about the Jesus that saved your soul. You have to be hope. You have to be love. You have to be peace. And no matter how this exchange goes, and I'll give him an invite card, or maybe we're friends and he knows me and he has my number, he's going to be brought back to that reality again and again and again. But man, I am miserable. Why was Paul so stinking happy? And maybe he calls, hey, what time's church? Hey, are you doing a Christmas Eve service? I want to give that a shot. So I ask him and say, hey, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Now the conversation is moving. How are you going to celebrate? I'm going to let him tell his story. I love his story. I want to hear his story. I want to hear him engage. Um, I, I want to be able to discern a little bit what path he's going down as far as what his life will testify to. And then I want to confront him with the reality that only Jesus brings joy. Only Jesus brings hope. Only Jesus brings peace. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm glad you did that. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, thank you for letting me do that to you. You have an invite card. Use it this week. Bump into someone. Write your information on the back of the card. Hey, I'm so excited. If you're not excited about Christmas, then you're not excited about Christmas. You're dealing with something else. 
You're just dealing with something else. Let me ask you one more question. Between happy holidays versus a holy advent, which side would call you as their expert witness? Which side would call you as their expert witness? If Jesus is looking across his people and he needs a witness and wants a witness to testify to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Is he on your witness list? Are you on his witness list? We say, you know what? I know. I call that person. Call that person. Oh, the character, the content. They know what I've done. They've seen what I've done in their life. They testify to the truth. They would be an expert witness. Or would the other side call you to testify on their behalf? Not of Christmas, but of happy holidays. Whatever that means. One of the pains that so many feel is they believe that Christmas itself, like the holiday, the date written on the December 25th, the songs, the gift giving, like that thing is the end all in itself. When truth be told, it's merely the vehicle that brings us to the Savior. It's just a box with wrapping on it. And if Jesus isn't present, it's an empty present. And so they get to Christmas morning and the kids do the things and they do the meals and you do the stockings. And you walk away saying, sit till next year. Or you learn to put Jesus in the center of all of it and to testify to that story. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so you decorate your tree with that in mind and you decorate the house with that in mind. And you serve meals with that in mind and you engage others with that truth in mind. An expert witness to the love and the joy and the peace of God. As you're beginning now to unwrap and unpack the decorations and put up trees and schedule your time. Let that question sit with you. Father, who am I a witness for? To what holiday am I testifying? Ask the artist to come up. I'd like everyone to stand and raise their right hand, please. Your other right hand. There's a lot of politics in courtrooms surrounding the oath that a witness gives. 
doing it for hundreds of years, probably goes all the way back to the culture of the Greeks. The Romans inherited it. It's gone through multiple iterations. You raise your right hand, you put your hand on a Bible. Do you swear to tell it? Steve, come up. Anderson, Chris Anderson, come up. You do it for a living, don't you? Are you the guy who does it, Chris? Yeah, you're the one who, yeah. good heavy Bible. See, you know what I'm talking about, right? Used to, I swear to tell the truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. Let me ask you, what if we lived that way? What if we approached the Advent season as an expert witness? Jesus, send me. I'll tell the truth. I'll tell the whole truth. I'll tell nothing but the truth. If we're watching Home Alone, hey, can I talk about the truth? Hey, if we're watching this Christmas movie, let me talk about the truth. Hey, if we're going to this theory, hey, let me talk about the truth. With those things in the back of your mind, let me just ask God's blessing over you. And we're going to turn the page musically. We're going to enter the story. Let's be those expert witnesses. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. And that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.